Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Today is a very special service. It's what we call Vision Sunday. So this message is going to be different than what you might normally have here. Uh, we are doing something special today. This is something we're starting to do every third Sunday of, the, of January, the beginning of the year, just to really take a glimpse of where God, uh, where we've been, what God has brought us through, and where we're going. Um, I'm just reminded here of the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me just read a couple of scripture to you this morning, first of all. 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this. The God has put, how many things? Everybody say, all things under the authority of Christ. How many of y'all are glad to know that everything's under the authority of Christ? Come on, how many are glad that the economy is under the authority of Christ? Come on, how many of y'all are glad politics are under the authority of Christ? Oh, yeah. He's put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of who? Come on, everybody say the church. Come on, come on, help me out. Everybody say the church. Yeah, that's a little better, making me feel better. Thank you. And it says, and it goes on and says this, and the church, say it with me, is his body. It goes on and says, it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'm a firm believer that the church is still alive and well today. Not just because I'm a pastor. I'm not necessarily talking about World Harvest Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. And the reason why I believe that church is still essential today is because the church, we see in the passage of Scripture, that we as the church, we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we are the body, right? He didn't say we as individuals, he says we as the church, we are the body. Now as individuals, we make up the church. Over this last year, there's been a perspective shift of the meaning of the church, I think, in our culture. Uh, Wasn't too long ago that we were told we were non-essential. The church was not essential for life. And as a pastor, that still concerns me that we went through that time. And I think we went through a journey there where I think most of us here today that's hearing my voice right now, we realize we need this thing. Come on, we need the body of Christ. We need to be joined. We need community in that, amen? It's in the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 16 that just rings so true in my heart today where Jesus telling Peter after Peter had the revelation of who he was where Jesus responded said, you are the Christ, the words of Jesus still ring true where he said, now he said, I say unto you that you're a Peter, which means rock or a small rock. And he said, it is upon this rock. And now I'm kind of picking this up and out of context. So you got to understand what Jesus is saying here is Jesus wasn't telling Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. What Jesus was telling Peter, he said, I'm going to build the church upon the revelation that you had that I'm the Christ. I'm a still firm believer that Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem that we're having today. Amen. Now, I believe in having good people in office. I believe in having the economy strong. But there is no, you take Jesus out of the equation, everything else is shaking sand. We've got to have Jesus. Jesus said it's upon this rock or that I'm the Christ. He said that I will build my what? That I will build my, come on, help me out, what? Church. Build my church. I believe that God still believes in the church today. I believe God believes in what we're doing here today. In fact, I believe that he wants to make us stronger than we have ever been before. I can speak for all of us here today in saying that the last 12 months has just been a little crazy, has it not? Our world was turned upside down. So this being Vision Sunday, I want to take you on a little journey via video 
just what 2020 looked like for us. And we're going to go back to the very beginning of 2021 when I believe God really spoke something very prophetic to us to set us up for the year. So turn your eyes to the screens. This is not really what I would call a teaching message or a preaching message. I just want to share from my heart here uh, for a few moments this morning. Because I believe the Lord is speaking some things very specifically to us as a church. And I know he's speaking it to me. And so I just want you to see and to weigh this message and to see if this is something that the Lord may be speaking to you also. This is what I wrote down that I felt like the Lord was stirring in my heart for this year of 2020. 2020 will be a year to stay focused on Jesus. There will be struggles and challenges in 2020. That if we keep our focus on Jesus, we will come through victoriously. Anybody wanna come through this next year victoriously besides me? He said, keep your eyes on Jesus. This is what I felt the Spirit speaking to me. And he will break the chains. He will heal the hurts. He'll restore what has been lost. For those who stay focused, it will be a year of breakthrough. See, we all trust something. There's a trust we have. Psalms chapter 20, verse seven says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. What are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in your paycheck? How many of you know that can change? Come on, are you trusting in your job, your, the economy? Are, are you trusting in your boss or what? You know what I'm saying? We, we all have these levels of trust, but anything that's outside of God is subject to change. The president declaring a national emergency. I am officially declaring a national emergency. The number of cases soaring just today, more than 24,000 now nationwide. They are out of face masks. Superstores like this one are selling out of these products. The U.S. reporting four straight days above 50,000 cases. Many blindsided by all of this and looking for some compassion as Congress finalizes that $2 trillion economic stimulus plan. I have a few ICU beds available. I think within the next few hours, they will no longer be available. Education leaders across the country announcing they plan to start their school years online. And yet another awful milestone, nearly 76,000 cases reported in a single day. Soaring new milestones in confirmed coronavirus cases around the world. The global total now crossing the 19 million mark. Life as we knew it has changed.
These may feel like dark days with headlines of contagion, fear, and hoarding. But human sunshine still exists. Random acts of corona kindness are everywhere, where a young brother and sister put on a concert for a 78-year-old neighbor who had shut herself off from the virus and the world. In Italy, where so many have died and so many more are isolated, they sing to each other from balconies. At night, voices echo through the streets. In Spain, where they're also suffering, to say thank you to doctors and nurses battling to save lives, people step outside and applaud everywhere. In Houston, at Irma's Southwest restaurant, now ordered closed, a couple left something behind, a $9,400 tip to pay your guys over the next few weeks, the anonymous note said. At a Cleveland watering hole, also closing, a customer added a little something extra to his less than $30 bill. $2,500 for the staff. When the NBA stopped the games, Cleveland Cavaliers basketball star Kevin Love started thinking about the arena staff without work. He donated $100,000 from his foundation to them, hoping others would follow his lead in their towns. This week across America, the power of a hug was on full display, as well as solidarity. A lot can be said by simply taking a knee. The virus forcing us apart seems also to be bringing us together closer than we've been in a long while. So 2020 was a year that nobody expected. It was a year that it was like getting slapped on the side when you didn't even see it coming. But God, God showed up, God came through, God was faithful. And for those that stayed faithful, for those that kept their focus and their attention upon Jesus Christ, let me tell you, they came through. You know, as a church, there was those moments where it looked like, man, it's, this can't be happening. But we stayed faithful to the Word of God. We kept preaching the Word of God, even when nobody was in the room. And let me tell you, the power of the Word of God, it showed up in many people's lives. Through 2020, there was casualties. There was people, there was marriages that broke up. There was people that were hurt. There was things that happened. There was things that we're all sorrowful for. But in the midst of the messes of our lives, there's a message that has come out of that, that God is good and He's still good all the time, that God is on the throne. He still provides, He still heals, He still delivers. He even still goes with us through the fires of life. So no matter what storm we faced in 2020, let me tell you, Jesus was in our boat and we came through. One thing that 2020 taught us is that the church is not about a building is during those shutdown times that we realized that we are still one church, we're just in many different locations. So that really helped us to wrap our mind around our mission, taking a real Jesus to a real world. Because it's during those times that we begin to focus outwardly, to focus even more than we'd ever focus outside of the four walls of the church and took the message that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus is the hope of the world, that we literally took it all across the world. And many lives were touched during that time. You know, as we look back on 2020, when we launched our new mission statement there at the beginning of the year, taking a real Jesus to a real world, little did we know that during the shutdown there in late March and April, that we would literally be preaching the Word of God, the message of Jesus to the people of Uganda, Africa. Every day there for several weeks, we had people preaching on the radio there, covering the entire nation of Uganda. And I was overwhelmed by the response of the hope of Jesus that we taught. 
We had over 25,000 people come to Christ, people that called in to the radio station, people that prayed with a counselor, that made Jesus their Lord in some facet or some form. And besides that, we had miracles, signs and wonders. The miraculous took place there. As we preached right here in Enid, Oklahoma, clear across the world to Uganda, we had 16 confirmed miraculous signs and wonders, blind eyes opening, lame people walking, absolutely incredible miracles. And so as we look back on that, we celebrate that and just that opportunity to take Jesus to those people in Uganda, something that was not even on the radar at the beginning of the year, that God opened the door, we stepped through that door and the kingdom of God was established greater in Uganda because of that ability to take a real Jesus to a real world. After a lot of searching, a lot of prayer, a lot of toil, God opened the door for a building for a youth center here in Enid. This is something we've been working on for several years and it seemed like every time that we would get a lead on something, the door would close. And so we had closed door after closed door after closed door. But it was in the middle of 2020 that the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to partner with the city of Enid to establish the Enid Youth Center where we can do after-school programs, mentoring, where we can bring kids in there and help teach them life skills, help teach job skills, help teach those principles of the kingdom of God that will help them be successful in their life. So God's just showed up even to the next generation to get us out of the four walls of our church, to expand into our community, to touch those lives out there that are just waiting for somebody to speak into them. One of our core values here at World Harvest Church is stewardship. We believe in being proper stewards of those things that God has placed in our hands. And part of that is we are a giving church. We were able to give out of the four walls of this church into many different areas. We've got missionaries in Uganda, uh, David Kamanzi that we support there. We've got Meshach Midney in Kenya, Africa that we support. Gerardo Cavazos that ministers into Mexico that we support. Wilma Parnell that we support on a regular basis to continue on the mission work that her and Rex have been doing for so many years, but we're always looking for opportunities to sow. And then it was just a month ago that we were able to give into our single moms and widows. 42 ladies of the House of World Harvest Church received a very special Christmas blessing. And there was two of our widows that we were able to pay their house payment for the month of January. And one of our single moms was able to pay her car payment. And it's because of the generosity of you, this church, that we were able to get out of the four walls and to sow into people's lives. And then there was halfway through the year of 2020 that we had a, uh, just a unique opportunity to partner with our Uganda missionary, David Kamanzi, to purchase land, key land, just across from their current facility. There was needing a place where they could build a school, a much needed school there, and much needed ministry center where they could continue to, to reach out into the country of Uganda like they do so well. We had $10,000 already set back in our budget, and I felt like the Lord had moved on our heart to do that, but they needed 25,000. And after we presented it to the, you, the congregation, I was so excited that we were able to write a check to them for $21,000 to go towards the purchase of that land. And there were some other missionary support that came in from outside of World Harvest Church that paid that $25,000 and continue to do a great work of taking a real Jesus to the people of Uganda. 
You know, in 2020, the devil tried his best. He tried to put us down as a church. He tried to put the church as a whole in America down. But it was in that time when the enemy was pressing us down that I believe was the church's finest hour because it caused us to look internally and it caused us to really pull into what we really truly believed. It caused us to really prioritize what was important. And I believe what the enemy intended for the bad, God has turned for the good. And we came out of 2020 stronger than ever before. We are a church that we are more passionate now. We are a people who long to be in the presence of God more. We are people that love the Word of God more, and we want to go deeper. We don't want just a feel-good message anymore. We want to know what the Word of God says. We are a people now that are looking to become true disciples of Jesus Christ, not just people who show up on a Sunday morning. So I'm excited about 2021, what God is doing, because it was through all the trials and all the testing that God is turning into triumph in this year of 2021. I believe that this is the year. This is the tipping point time. It's through all that heartache. It's through the fires, through the storms. And there's one thing that I know about trials and tribulations and storms. There is always victory on the other side for those who will endure, for those who stay focused. And I believe that all the hardness that we had to endure, that there was glory on the other side. There's a breakthrough on the other side. And so for every trial, I want you to know, get ready, get ready. I believe the Lord wants to just breathe fresh winds of His Spirit upon us as a church. He wants us to be a carrier of His passion. He wants to be us to be a carrier of His purpose. He wants us to be a carrier of His presence into our world. And that's what we're talking about, taking a real Jesus to a real world. Let's take his presence, let's take his power, let's take his passion everywhere we go. And let me tell you, what I believe the Lord has for us in this year is not just to make us feel better, not just a blessing for us as individuals, but there is a purpose in it all. There's more of his kingdom to establish. There are people out there in our world today, they are hopeless and they need hope. There are people who have been messed up, who did not come out of 2020 very well. That's where he wants to show up with his power. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us as a church. And so church, I just want to encourage you. Would you join us this year in this journey that we are on as we take a real Jesus to a real world? Mm. Wow. Powerful. It's amazing, Kinsley, as we Look, over the last 12 months, what God did. Yeah. You know, yeah. we get so focused so many times on what's before us, we kind of forget yeah. what's behind us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, the best way to be able to, to describe it, I'm Kinsley Jordan, I'm the worship pastor um, here. The best way to describe how I feel in my heart and my spirit about this mm. next year is it reminds me of, of when um, my wife, Brooke, the beauty that she is, I don't know where she is, but she was nine <laughs> months pregnant with our daughter, Hadley. And I realized I was about to be a dad, and I was like, there's this thing inside, and it's going to come out, and it's going to need me. But it was this excitement. It was this excitement that I get to meet you. Like, I don't know who you are or what you look like or, or what you're going to need from me, but, man, I am ready to see you. <laughs> and that, I, that's, the, that's the same expectation that I have is that, you know, I mentioned it last in the 9 o'clock service, uh, but it is absolutely true is that their World Harvest Church is pregnant with anointing. Yeah. pregnant with an explosion of what God is going to do in this place. Amen. And the only thing I can say is hang on for your hats yeah. because there is something good coming into this place. Amen. And we need to know that. We need yeah. to believe it. 
That's right. God, I truly believe, is up to something good. Yeah, yeah. In, that. in fact, we need to bring that song back. We need to. You being the worship leader, you think you can pull some strings for me to bring I, that song back? I might be able to do God that. God is up to something good. <laughs> and you know, it's in the midst of all the, you know, all of our years. We, we've yeah. all got stories. Let me start again. <laughs> we've all got stories that we could talk about from last year. Yeah. We all, you know, that's the, um, you know, big, pers- big perspective, uh, looking at it. I mean, 2020 was a year of trials and tribulations. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just a few people went through them. We all went through it. Yeah. You know, it's something, all of our worlds were shaken. All of our, our uh, what we knew is comfort. You know, yeah. that's one thing I think I've learned uh, about us as, as the American church, as Christians, is that we were very comfortable in the normal. We were very comfortable yeah. in the familiar. We were very comfortable with the way we would always done things. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that God caused the pandemic, but I do believe that for everything bad, that God can turn it for the good. Yeah. We read that even in Romans chapter 8. Yeah. And so I think for me, one thing, I, I, as we post 2020, I mean, we're still in some hard times. I think we've got about three to six months left of really hard times. But there's, if there's one thing I can say, I think that we are better because we went through what we did. Yeah. I know we're better as a church because we were forced to do some things probably we should have been doing already. Yeah. But because we grew comfortable, all of us had our lives. We were very comfortable in that. So we all had to adjust. We all had to pivot. We all had to make some change. But how many of y'all can say I'm okay now? Come on, anybody yeah. with me today? Come on, yeah. anybody good? Yeah. Come on, anybody good? Yeah. Everybody okay in this room? Yeah. Wow, what a testimony for all of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, we've said it before, but I always look at failure, but what people would call failure as an opportunity for success. Because if it doesn't kill you, you've heard it said. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Yeah, but that right. is the honest to goodness truth. I mean, it yeah. is. And there's, there's some of us uh, th- that we look at 2020 and be like, man, I never want to go through that again. Yeah. Are you sure? Hold on. <laughs> if it meant that you wouldn't be able to grow and prepare yourself and to mend the, bra- the brokes, broken parts and the cracks that you had in your life, if, if it meant that you wouldn't be able to fulfill what God has for you in the future because you didn't learn these lessons now, are you sure you wouldn't want to go through it? Yeah. Because yeah. think about this. There's many of us who have been through financial hardship. There's many of us who have been through uh, relational hardship. There's many of us who have been through occupational hardship. But what if we had to go through, I'm just, I'm throwing this out there, Pastor, but what if we had to go through it to prepare ourselves for what we were about to step into and what we were about to be asked to do? Some of us had to live on a shoestring budget. But what you don't realize is that by learning those lessons in your personal life and your personal walk in faith, you have opened the door of obedience to be able to step into not only manage a budget of a thousand, but maybe of a million. And what would happen if you had not been obedient in the small things would God be able to take you into the place that he really wants you to? Yeah. And that's what I look at is that yeah. so many times, and we said this at the beginning of the pandemic, is that this is the greatest opportunity the church has ever had. This yeah. is the Truly finest is. moment we've ever had. Truly is. And, and, you know, as we begin to move forward into 2021, there's really three things that we're putting some focus on this year. But one of them is in discipleship. Yeah. You know, because there's one thing that as I look back and I begin to see early on that I thought uh, it, was, it was a shock to me. Mm-hmm. That, and I'm not talking about it when I say the church, I'm not talking about just us as world hearts, but I'm talking about the church as a whole in America. Uh, one thing, a church in America had grown very comfortable and very lax. And it was through the, the events, not just the pandemic, but a lot of the things that happened in 2020 that I began to look at. So, you know, the church in America is very immature. We have settled into a level of, of spiritual maturity. We've been talking about the last few weeks where Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I want to teach you some deeper things of the Word of God, but I can't. i got to feed you the milk of the Word of God because you're immature. 
And he said, this is the signs of your immaturity. You're fighting with each other all the yeah. time. Yeah. We've come out of a season where there was a lot of bickering. There was a lot of ugliness. There was a lot of yeah. slander, not out in the world. That's a given, but in the church. And I'm yeah. not talking about just here at World Harvest. You know, I mean, there was some ugliness that yeah. showed up. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a sign of immaturity. So I believe that our one of our first primary focus for 2021 is really becoming who Christ has called us to be, mm-hmm. to become a disciple. Yeah. See, because Kinsley, I'm convinced of this. There's more in our journey of faith than just getting saved. Yeah. You know, some people see getting saved and salvation as an end point. That's not the end point. That's the beginning point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's it's the transformation, becoming more like Christ. Uh, that we've got to become. And it's not just some spiritual term we use because as we become a disciple taught of the Lord, we should be better husbands. Husbands? Yeah. I mean, we should be better dads. We should be better business owners. We should be better at what God has given us stewards over in this life that we're living to really glorify God with all of our life. Yeah. You know, church is not about attending church on a Sunday morning. It's about being the church, becoming the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things about discipleship, one of the things I love we do is we take action points. So right now, I want you to write this because this is point number one. You, so many times people ask, ask us, hey, what is the vision? Where are we going? Here it is. Don't miss it. Don't confuse it. Yeah. Area number one we're going into is discipleship. Yeah. And you want to know the hard thing about discipleship? It requires transparency. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't fun. <laughs> Boy, there's no amends on that one. Why? Maybe it's my online audience. One. Discipleship is hard. Why? It's because when you decide to step into being, to, to, to step into be a disciple, what you're doing is opening the door of transparency into yeah. your life. Yeah. Still very quiet. Yeah. And the, re- reason, and the reason why yeah. that's hard is because, uh, it, be honest, if we want to, there have been, even in my own life, I can only share with you what's going on in my own life. There have been moments where I've been a church attender, but not a church member. Yeah. Where I have come into these doors and I've done what was asked, asking me to do, but the trash on the floor was somebody else's problem. Mm. But that's my trash. Because yeah. this is my family. Because yeah. this is my home. And discipleship, what that means is taking the step into your life. So write this down. I want you to write it down in your phone. Because if you are a member, if you are a family member of this church, this is your vision for this year as well. This isn't pastor's vision. This isn't my vision. This isn't the vision of the executive team. What this is, is our vision for our life. Step number one, discipleship. Yeah. All right, the first area of focus that we have as World Harvest Church is we take a real Jesus to a real world. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Get a tattoo of, of it on your wrist. <laughs> He's laughing. Okay. I, was like, I didn't know how to do this. I'm still a little old generation right there. <laughs> Just, kidding. Just kidding. Okay. All right. Write it down in, in Sharpie. So, uh, right, but discipleship. <laughs> write it down. Area number one, discipleship. And what that means is discipleship is going to be uncomfortable, friends. Yeah. It, it, going to somebody else's house for a dinner with somebody you've never met before because it's your first time to a discipleship group, it's uncomfortable. Like, let's call it what it is. Yeah. But it's the first step to growth. And this is yeah. why it's so important is that if you're not growing, you are Dying. Dying. Yeah, that's right. If you're not going to take a step into being uncomfortable and to learn what discipleship is in your life, to get out of your comfort zone and take that cloak of transparency, of of hiding what's going on in your life off, because what I can promise you is I want you to to look at the left or the right of you right now. Online, look at the person sitting next to you or or, or maybe it's in the mirror. The person you're sitting next to cares about you. Yeah. You may not know it, the person in the, in the row in front of you and behind you, they care about you. Yeah. But unless we take that step of discipleship and take that jacket of insecurity and fear of what would happen if somebody gets to know my life, guess what? There's all sorts of crazy in this room. Oh, yeah. And he's sitting in this chair. 
<laughs> a lot of crazies here. This one, I can't talk to your crazy. All I can do is talk to my crazy. There's a whole lot of crazy here. Yeah. You're in good company. Amen. But when we say we are going to focus, uh, this church, World Harvest Church, we're going to be a family that disciples each other, and That's we right. are going to take that jacket of fear and failure off, yeah. and we're going to open our hearts open to each other yeah. to be involved that's when victory starts yeah. to take place. And one of the last commands that Jesus told the disciples before he went, Matthew chapter 28, he says, go into the world and make, he didn't say converts, <laughs> yeah. he didn't say church yeah. attenders, he said to make disciples. disciples. Yeah. And discipleship, salvation is an ex one-time experience that you have with Christ, yeah. but, but discipleship is the journey that we're all on after that point. It's becoming more like Christ. It's less of me, more like Christ. And discipleship... True discipleship does not take place on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I love our Sunday morning experience, but Sunday morning is really about pointing your eyes towards Jesus Christ, yeah. pointing, yeah. Your, pointing your, your eyes to the hope and the glory, to, to be encouraged. True discipleship, it's hard to become a disciple just attending church on a Sunday. Yeah. True disciple takes place in community with other brothers and sisters around us. Like Kenzie's talking about being open and transparent. You know, because we're on a journey uh, you know, in Christ, we're made perfect, but how much of Christ is living us? You know, we have some room to grow in that. Uh, that's the salvation experience of learning to walk in righteousness of Christ in that. But we need, we, it, it's about a horizontal relationship, Jesus, but the horizontal, excuse me, the vertical relationship's all about Jesus, but the horizontal relationships where we need each other, that's where we grow in discipleship. That's why, Kinsley, we have our groups. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're launching in. In fact, I encourage everybody, if you're not involved in a group yet, get involved. Yes. In fact, do we have that graphic? If you're not involved in a group, I'd encourage you to get involved. You can go by the group's wall out in the foyer. There's still some flyers run, running around there, but you can simply text WH group to 97,000. Tell us what group you want to be involved in. The handout that's on your, your terrors, that's not the groups, okay? This is something, the third point we'll get to in a little bit. We'll talk about the handouts there. We talked about this last week. But I encourage you to get involved in some type of group. There's a lot of groups happening. We got our discipleship groups, got our interest groups. Uh, Mops is going to be starting back up here yeah. before too long. Mothers, if you got little young kids, you may want to get involved in Mops. There's a lot of great areas. But these are areas where we can connect with each other yeah. in community, but iron sharpening iron that mm -hmm. we can help each other grow. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, uh, it, it, did you enjoy last, last week's message? I loved it because it was incredibly painful. <laughs> it was incredibly <laughs> painful because it was like there was a target right between my own eyes. I love those. Uh, the, one of the things that, that Pastor was talking about of, of elementary, of being able to get back to the basics, of stepping into that maturity. Here's the thing with discipleship. There's many, 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 many people, many people that we see on the side of ministry that will look at church and say, well, nobody reach out to me. Yeah. Here's the hard truth about being an adult in ministry, in church, in life, is that if we are wanting to be discipled, we have a responsibility to be discipled. Yeah. That doesn't mean we sit at home and wait for the call to happen because let me tell you, friends, the call's probably not gonna happen. It's not that we don't care about you. It's not that we don't, that we don't have a vision of wanting to help. It's that sometimes you just literally don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So to sit, to, for us to sit back, and again, I can only talk to myself here, but there's been times in my life where I was like, I must have no friends because nobody is calling me. But I was the fool that never asked for help. <laughs> I, I never let anybody know that there was stuff going on in my life, and I yeah. had the tenacity to get mad at them and be like, well, you didn't ask anything. Be like, I didn't know anything was going on. Well, you're yeah. supposed to be a better friend. Well, you're supposed to be mature. Tell me when something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's all happening in this head of crazy. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that's what discipleship is. Yeah. Is it ask for help. Yeah. You may not know where you need to go or what group you need to get plugged into. That's fine. We'll help you figure that out. Yeah. 
that if you're not willing to ask for help, then, then are you really a Christian? Because that's what we do as believers. We ask Christ for help. Amen. And it doesn't stop at salvation, as Pastor talked about. It yeah. starts, it literally starts when you ask for help. Yeah. And then yeah. you have the chance to step into and grow. Yeah. Discipleship that's is right. a two-way street. It's not about receiving. It's also about being able to be part of it and to be able to give and yeah. ask for that help. We yeah. have a responsibility in discipleship. Yeah, uh, you know, big picture, would love for every one of y'all that are here and watching online right now to be involved in some type of community relationship with somebody else that's really helping you walk out your Christian faith. I, I'm fully convinced that our Christian walk is not to be meant to be lived by ourselves. Mm -hmm. that we need each other. Mm -hmm. In fact, look at somebody right now and tell them, hey, we, I need you in my life. Yeah. Come on, tell somebody that. I need you in my life. Yeah. I need you. I, we need you. I, I need, need you. you. I need you. I need you. <laughs> Wait, we're the only people here. I need you in my life. <laughs> I gotta yeah. need you. Let's, let's move on to yeah, that yeah. second focus. You know, the, the second area, one of the things I love, and if you've been with us over the last uh, 10 years in my life, has been an experience um, with, with Pastor and Old Harvest Church. But you may not have caught the fact that Pastor Brad and Pastor Tammy and the, and the executive team, even when Pastor Mike was here, who's now the senior pastor of World Harvest Church Stillwater, um, they made an intentional investment, hmm. an investment into the next generation. Yeah. And I say an investment because when you make an investment, there is an expectation of a return. Amen. Yep. When you make an investment, there is an expectation there, there will be a return. And they made an investment into the next generation. I remember when, when Pastor Brad gave the youth, I was a youth pastor at the time, where he said, hey... Uh, you seem to be going pretty well. What, why don't you guys take the, take the main sanctuary on Wednesdays? I was like, wait, what? You want youth to be the main event? You want us to have the sanctuary? Do you want it burned down? Do you really? Do you want? But it was an investment that was made. And one of the things that, point number two, write this down. Get out your Sharpie, write it on your hand, put it in your phone. Point number two, vision of where we're going, is we are a next generational church. Yeah. If we are not growing our youth and setting a hope and an expectation and teaching them what right from wrong, let me tell you, it's not the school's responsibility to, to, to teach our children what right and wrong is. Yeah. It is our yeah. responsibility, ours, this church, our family, our parents. And we do that because we lock arms in discipleship, and two, we invest into the next generation. We have the, uh, uh, it's not a competition, but I'm going to say our youth department, our, our, youth, our, our uh, youth pastor, Brittany Giuliano, I could not even dream of being a fraction as, as awesome as she uh -huh. is as a youth pastor. I mean, she uh -huh. is phenomenal. They had an event that they said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll put this on, and it was a little conference. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, man, you know, we'll probably have 80, 90 people. Why not? How many? 150? 150. Right 150 people came up, yeah. showed up, yeah. packed out. Yeah. We make investments into the next generation, and it's not just youth. It's children's department. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to say before, before, because I know you have something to share with the, the children's department, is, is when you... Take your kids into the children's department. Let me tell you what's not happening. What's not happening is a babysitting service. Yeah. That's not happening. If you want a babysitting service, you're putting them in the wrong kids' department. Yeah. Because here, yeah. we teach them the love of Jesus. Yeah. We teach them who he is. We teach them about the word. We teach them about the holistic love and the hope and the, and, and the passion that he has for us. And that investment started here with the senior pastors. But that's what takes place on Sunday in children's ministry. I don't care if you're in the nursery or it's all the way to loop room or, 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 or youth on Wednesdays. It is an investment into yeah. the next generation. Yeah, we believe in really reaching that next generation. The last scripture of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, talks about how in the, the end times, the latter days, that the hearts of the fathers will turn to the children, and then the hearts of the children will turn to the fathers. And so many of us, so many in society, want the hearts of the children to turn to the adults and to respect adults. But the principle is this, that we as adults got to turn our heart towards the next generation first, <laughs> yeah. and then it's yeah. reciprocal. After that, we are living in a time 
uh, where it's called the fatherless generation. That there are so many kids that living in homes right now that, that number one, maybe they don't have a male figure in their home or yeah. if the male figure is there, it's not engaged in that. And so we as a church, we got to make sure that we're stepping up and taking care of that next generation. So our heart and our passion has always been for the next generation. I feel our youth department is doing a phenomenal job. We'll have an average of 65 kids in here on Wednesday night. Sometimes it's 90, sometimes it's less. But uh, Brittany and the team with the title youth department is doing a phenomenal job in our youth ministry. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, they, they alternate. One, one Wednesday night is a full-blown service, and another Wednesday night is a group, so that alternates every other Wednesday night. Our children's ministry does a great job. Um, I was just so blessed, Kinsley, after first service, I was shaking hands, and uh, there was a couple fairly new to the church, and I see them walking out with the kids, and they had their little papers as going out. And, uh, I asked the little girl, said, how was it? How was class? She looked at, she looked at me, she said, man, it was awesome. And she said, I learned so much about Jesus. And her mom and dad looked at me and said, yeah, she's been talking about that ever since she walked out of that room back wow. here. And that was just this morning. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a babysitting service. I do know wow. that God's got even more for us in store, more for yeah. us to steward and be responsible for. There was one thing that we need here at World Harvest Church, and I wanted to share this with all of us here today because I need you praying with us regarding this. Uh, for us to go to the next level, we really need, I mean, you look around, this is a full sanctuary right now. We really need to think about adding a third service. But before we add a third service, we need a full-time children's pastor. Yeah. And there's one thing that I've learned over the last few years, even talking with all my pastor friends and all the networks I'm involved in, full-time children's pastors are hard to come by. And I'm not talking about just somebody who can do a class. A lot of y'all can lead a class. But uh, we are really praying and, and seeking God about somebody that can run a whole, whole department, can take it to a next level, somebody that can manage volunteers. Uh, the worship ministry and the children's ministry are the biggest departments here at World Harvest Church. And so if you add a third service to this, it puts a big strain on worship ministry and puts a big strain on our children's ministry. And so I really need y'all to believe, be believing God for us for the right couple to come in and be our children's pastor. Will y'all be doing that? So that's one of our goals. So whenever you see us have a children's pastor, probably better get ready. We may be launching into a third church service <laughs> there. So that's a piece of the puzzle that has to come into play. Yeah. But Kinsley, the third part of that next generation that is super exciting, uh, something we've been working on for a long time. Yeah. And that's getting out of the four walls of the church and put in establishing what we know now as the Enid Youth Center. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. I, I've had the honor to be able to help um, with the uh, with the board with the Enid Youth Center that's under making a difference. And there's two people real quick that I just want to be able to acknowledge with the help and the heart that they have. One is Commissioner Jonathan Waddell, who's been a huge advocate in Enid, yeah. Oklahoma, for getting a youth center that invests into our children, that invests into the generations, that invests into teaching moral character and and casting a hope in their lives. I mean, he is. He has taken it from a government a government side as a commissioner uh, and, and, and has worked tireless, tirelessly to make sure that there is an avenue that this can happen. J uh, Justin Simmons, the director of Making a Difference uh, organization, he, uh, he also has been working tirely with this, tirelessly with his team to uh, flex. And, bend. and it's been amazing because there have been many doors that have been opened and then shut and opened and shut. Some by God, some by wisdom. But the amazing thing is this, is that the youth center, we have a 10-year contract 10-year contract with the city of Enid because the city of Enid just bought and purchased the Great Plains Bank building yeah, of which making a difference organization will be basically contracted the contracted 10-year commitment for the Enid Youth Center for yeah. making sure that the Enid yeah. Youth Center is here for yeah. sustainment, for stability. That's not nothing. Amen. Come on. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and that contract's already been set. And so, you know, we'll be working over the next few months, uh, city getting the building ready for us. 
may not do much this semester yeah. just because there's a lot to be done. But come fall semester, we're going to be ready to go. And we'll be talking about this as we get further into this because we're going to be asking for people. We're going to be doing after-school programs, going to be doing during-school programs. A lot of stuff's going to be taking place out of that yeah. building. And uh, we're going to need people to mentor, come, people to come down and do some tutoring. Some of the things are going to be a lot of opportunities for all of us to be involved. This is not just a world harvest thing, but this is something that has been needed for our community. And God opened the door for that right in the middle of the pandemic. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. In the middle of a crazy yeah. year of 2020, look what God did. Yeah, in yeah, that yeah. that building came up. We didn't have to buy the building. Yeah, city bought it, and and here we go. Yeah. A ten year contract, a ten year lease up yeah. on that for ten thousand square foot yeah. of that downtown building there for yeah. the Enid Youth Center. I'm yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, and you talk about reaching some next generation. Yeah, it's going to happen. And one of the things I'd like to add to that is that is not uh, it is not something that our your church is doing. Yeah, this is something that you are doing. Amen. Amen. Which means the responsibility with it, right? Yeah. Um, to have a youth center and to work at it, but not have your children go and be part of it is hypocritical. Yeah. One of the things that I, I have said and I've spoken to people, as I said, is my children are going to be there. Mm-hmm. My kids are going to be there because I believe, if you don't believe in the investment, then why are you investing in to begin with? We believe in it. This is what World Harvest Church has been called to, is to be able to yeah. take a real Jesus to a real world. I don't know how much more real you can get <laughs> than, than building a youth center program to be able to, to be that hope, to be yeah. that the father to the fatherless, the mother yeah. to the motherless, to be that hope to a generation that needs it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So, so what I want you yeah. to, to realize and take away with that is, is this, is that this is what we are doing. This is not what your church is doing because you are the church. Yeah. This is what Amen. we are doing. Amen. Amen, which is a good segue really into our third major focus for this year we believe that God is calling us to because to do everything that God wants us to do, it's going to take us all. And in the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, he said this. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, look at the screen, (laughs) but to do what? Come on, but to do what? To serve. are y'all, man, y'all are not very bold about that. Come on, but to, everybody shout it out with me, to To serve. serve. To serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Kinsley, when everybody came in today, they got this little sheet. These are the, these are the, the, the nerd information. For a lot of y'all that want to know the numbers thing. This gives you the summary of the numbers, okay? Attendance. Uh, you know, we're seeing right now about 80% of our pre-COVID attendance. All right, about 80% of the numbers we were running pre-COVID, that's what we're seeing right now. And let me just testify to something. There's not hardly any other pastor friends of mine that I know right now that are running 80% of their pre-COVID numbers. Yeah. God has really blessed us yeah. in that. But what I'm saying is this, Kinsley, what would it be like if everybody that called World Harvest Church their home, if they participated, yeah. if they, using a sports analogy, got off the bench, got into the game, what would it be like if all of us were serving? Yeah. What would it be like if all of us were giving? Yeah. You know, we probably got about only about 50% of people that call World Harvest Church their home actually financially support the church. Yeah. What would happen if that number was 100%? Yeah. What, if, what if people really understood the principle of stewardship and we got in to really serve, to do what Jesus said and model for us? I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. Man, we could turn this community, this region upside down even faster. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't be asking what building is going in downtown. They'd be asking what is in the water at World Harvest Church. Amen. What yeah. is going on on the west side of town? Yeah. What is happening over there? Yeah. And it, it, I mean, seriously, think, think about that for a second. As a Christian community, as Big C, as the big church, for how many years have we said, man, just waiting for God to show up? Yeah. You know what he's saying? Guys, 
I'm here. I've been waiting for you to show up. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What, what would happen? I can tell you what would happen. You would see an explosion. When I talked about expectation, there is an expectation because you know when, when, when Brooke was pregnant, I knew that Hadley was coming along. I knew it. I could see it. I saw the evidence of it. I saw the fact of it. When my son was coming along, I knew. It was beyond a shadow of a doubt. I wasn't ex- it wasn't like a toaster was going to pop out. I knew what was coming. <laughs> the same thing is true. When you, when you take your heart yeah. and you say, I'm going to serve, yeah. you know what's going to happen. God yeah. is going to bless it. It's yeah. not a fact of if it happens. It's a fact of when it happens. Yeah. And the real question is not, are you going to serve? The question is, where are you going to serve? Yeah. Because so many times, there's so many people, Pastor, that I have the chance to talk to, whether it's people or businesses, and so often it is, it is a mind, people, we don't think that we need to stop and intrinsically look at ourselves and see where we're at. The reality is, is where you're at in your life, God has something to speak to you and something to teach you and something to be able to show you. But if you are so busy with everything else and you don't take the time to be able to spend with him doing what he's asked you to do, how is he going to show you? Yeah. yeah. You know, the word says to, to be still and know that I am God. Well, how often are we being still? You, you think that, that is worship work? Is it, is it work to come up here to be able to, to get the team together and practice? There's aspects of it that's worked. It's true. Yeah. But you know when I walk away the most blessed in my life? is when I've had the chance to walk off the platform and know that with the other 10 or 12 people that we have stepped into the presence of God, whether people show up into the sanctuary or not, because it wasn't about them, it was about him. And what would happen in your life if you could walk away from a Sunday or you could walk away from a discipleship group or you could walk away from serving in kids ministry and have had had that moment where God, when you were getting out graham crackers and juice for the kids as you're getting ready to teach a Bible lesson, had that moment when God said, listen, I have more than graham crackers and juice for you. Amen. It's good. It's good. Are you willing to miss that moment? Yeah. Because serving... Serving that, that moment of, of laying it down. God has so much to show you and so much to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. That is going to impact every area of your life. Yeah. The question is, not if, not when, but where. That's good. Where am I going to serve? Yeah. Because it, you know, it makes a big difference. Uh, you know, I think one of the problems with the Big C Church of America is this. We're so self-centered. It's really about us. I mean, we're living in a culture where it's all about us. Burger King, they initially, you know, phrased that advertisement, have it your way. You know, we're still live our life like that today. And that mentality has creeped into the church. And I, so I, I hope and I pray that what we've gone through this last year helped us to realize it's not about us. It's about others. It's about others. And that's part of growing in maturity, of growing up in Christ, of being a disciple. It's not about us. But, you know, the church of America is very consumeristic. Come on, we come in our church, come on. But they better sing a song I like, and pastor better be entertained, better make me laugh, better make me cry, and better give me a goosebump. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on us. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? we got to get beyond this. It's about just what I need, what I want. we got to get to the place where Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to, to serve, to give to give I'm truly convinced that there's no fulfillment that we'll ever find in our life seeking our own thing the the new bass boat won't satisfy your needs 
that would be kind of fun to see, but no, just kidding. No, it won't satisfy. There's no material possession that's going to satisfy you. Jesus, the kingdom, living for the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not self-focused, it's others-focused. Yeah. So I, I challenge you, this is, this is really our takeaway. Every message that we're going to have this year, there's a takeaway. Last week we talked about uh, reading your Bible, giving value. We talked about the SOAP books, SOAP method of study, scripture, observation, application, prayer. If you missed out on that, you know, go back and listen to that message. Great way to study the scriptures. Uh, but I challenge you, if you're not involved anywhere, I want, I'd, I'd love for you to get off the proverbial bench, we could say the brown chair, and get involved in some way or some form. That sheet that was in your chair when you came in today, that's just some areas there uh, that you have an opportunity to serve in. We've got it easy for you to, if you want to get involved, to get involved. You can either fill out the bottom of that card, drop it off at the Guest Connect after service, or you can text to give. You can text WH, the keyword WH serve to the number 97,000. Now, those of you that are over 50, let me explain that to you. It means you open up your phone, you do it like you're going to do it, send a text message, and you put in the number 97000, and then you go on to like where you put the message and you simply type WH serve. Does that help anybody out? It's amazing, Cleansy, how many times I've talked about type a keyword to that number. And people, what does that mean, yeah, Pastor? Yeah, yeah. And so I just had to give that little disclaimer yeah. for those of you that are 50 and over. I'm over 50. And so, uh, but we'd love for you to get involved. You yeah. text that key that keyword there to that number, you're going to get a text message back with eight choices. What area would you like to serve in there? But Kinsley, the most important thing is just we got to get in the game. Yeah. And not be so about me. You know, we, we're uh, what you'd call probably charismatic, word of faith, Pentecostal church is really our vein or culture. And, and I love it, but there's one thing that, I've, that I don't like about that is it tends to create very self-centered people. Yeah. Becomes, because it becomes all about my needs, about my needs getting met, about my victory, about my breakthrough. And I think we can get an error in that. That's yeah. where we got to get past our own thing and realize that there's a bigger picture that God has us involved in. If we get our mind on others, God many times meets our own needs. Yeah. You know, when, as you were talking about, so many times we define victory in our lives as the destination. Yeah. If I could just get there. If I could just make that money, if I could just get that boat, if I could just get that job, if my kids would just do this, if I, yeah. we miss the entire picture that the victory is, is enjoying the process along the way. There you go. Victory is not the destination of where you get to because if you don't enjoy the process of serving and growing, you will never enjoy the destination that when you get there. Yeah. Because it will never be enough. Look at Hollywood. Look at all the places where people have everything they could ever dream of only to find out that they commit suicide or they overdose or they lose everything or they become bankrupt. Why? It's because it wasn't, they thought that the destination was going to bring them joy and hope and purpose, but it doesn't. Amen. It's because they had nobody to lock arms with side by side and say, I want to be in your pain with you. Yeah. When we talk about serving, you think it's just because we need you. No, no, no. It's because we want to be with you. Is because we want to walk through life with you. We want to mourn with you when you mourn. We want to rejoice when you rejoice. But if there's not that opportunity to spend enough familiarity with you, there's no way that I can. Have, if I don't have time and relationship, I will have no impact into your life. Yeah. Amen. Serving is it so we can have an impact together. Because you know what? There's some of you I don't even know in this place. But there have been times in my life where I could have really used a hug from you. 
from a total stranger could have absolutely used the hug because it needed it. And if there's not influence, not because, just because we have a need, it's, yes, there's a need where God is taking us to. Like I said, there's an expectation. You don't even, where we are going to go. A year from now, we would be playing this service and we will say, oh, pastor, you had no idea. Look what God did. Just like when we watch those words that the paycheck could go away and the economy could change. One year from today, the question will be sitting in these seats and we'll be celebrating. The question will be, is did you join us on the process? That's good. Join us in making a difference. Join us yeah. in taking a real Jesus to a real world. Amen. Not because of a Amen. need, but because we get to be family along the way. Yeah, that's good. Um, I want you to go and stand at your feet with me, with us. Um, I said it in the video, and I'm, I am so convinced, you can't talk me out of it, that for all this hardness that we've all been in, that there's victory on the other side. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. revival. I truly do believe there's a lot of uh, pastors and prophetic people that I talk to truly believe that we're on the verge of a modern-day Jesus movement. Amen. Amen. And it's not going to be something that's driven by the, from the pulpit, but it's going to be something that's driven, using a religious term, from the pew, from the seats, from you from what we call average people. That's where it's gonna come from. And so I just wanna challenge you to get ready. Like Kenza was talking about that expectation. Get ready, have an expectation for what God's gonna do. And let me just say this, you know, if you really look at the big perspective, what I call the 30,000 foot view, if you really look at that heavenly perspective, I just wonder if some of the hell that some of y'all are going through it's not simply designed to stop what God is getting ready to do in your life. Because yeah. many times it's before the victory that the devil fights the hardest. Yeah. It's many times before the breakthrough that yeah. we feel so, the frustrated the most. Yeah. And so if you're in a moment of crisis, if you're in a trial, if you're in a tribulation, if you're having a mess right now, take that 30,000 foot view and just know God's up to something good. Yeah. And it's going to come your way. Amen. It's going to come our way. I'm believing for revival in this nation. We need revival more than ever before. I'm looking for revival in marriages and homes and children and businesses. I'm looking for that. Because God always takes the bad and turns it for the good. So the good's coming. The good's coming. So I just want to encourage you to keep standing. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Yeah. Don't give up. Because there's good around the corner. Yeah. There's good around the corner. Amen. Amen. Good around the corner. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestina.com slash connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestina.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.